This is the Protect Help Give Show with J.M. Ryerson. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Protect, Help, Give. I have a very special guest today, someone that I've really got to know well over the last couple of years. Danny Asti is the operations manager and part owner of Alto Financial Group within Appreciation Financial. At a young age of 25, she oversees an office with eight employees helping Team Alto help a lot of people create life-changing wealth and most importantly, get better day. Growing up in this industry as a young child and a background in screenwriting and media gives her a unique perspective on building a great team. She is driven daily to help others become the best versions of themselves by creating an environment with high standards, authenticity, and empathy. Miss Danielle, how are you today? Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, so good. Thank you for having me. Well, it is truly my pleasure. And for those of you that don't know, I have been chasing Danielle to be a guest for some time. So I truly mean it is my pleasure. I'm fired up you're here. I will tell you straight away, I didn't know your background with screenwriting and media. So you got to give me a little bit there because is that something you were doing in college? Is that something you're doing on the side? And I'm, uh, this is exciting. Yeah, thank you. Um, yes, you have been chasing me down. Um, I do have to actually thank you uh, for that because without people like you, um, I would never grow. So thank you for that. I, I do think when you first asked me or someone mentioned it to you, I think I was actually like, no. <laughs> you were like, hey, are we going to get on the podcast? And I was like, no. <laughs> Uh, but we'll we'll talk about it, I'm sure, as we get along. But yeah, so it is something that I did in college. Um, it's something that I really remember falling in love with way back in sixth grade, to be honest. Um, I got my first, like, you know, when you're in school, you get like a writing assignments in school. And I just was like, this is the greatest thing ever uh, to craft a story. And I got super into it eventually. I went to college. I actually started, my degree was originally going to be for like directing and camera work. And I got in there and screenwriting is just like one of the electives you have to take in order to, to major in directing. But I got in there in my directing class and I was like, oh no, this is so boring. <laughs> and my, my elective, which was intro to screenwriting, I just like fell in love with it and just like veered everything away from, from what I knew to that, that side of things. So. Yeah. Well, for those of you that aren't familiar with Danny, she does so many things for appreciation in general, or she certainly has in terms of a lot of the graphics you see, a lot of the creative work. So that doesn't surprise me, you doing screenwriting and having that ability. But it is, this is why I love doing podcasts because I didn't know that about you. And that really makes sense why you have this creative mind that you help us with. So, and it, that's why it looks so easy to, to me because it's just something you enjoy you're great at. So, um, but I guess specific to uh, financial services, give me a bit of your story because you are holding a lot of responsibilities far more than I did at the age of 25. So tell me how this kind of all came, came to this place. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I feel like everyone who has a success story says that I'm about to say next, but it's just true. Um, it was kind of on accident. <laughs> it was uh, it was not planned for sure. Um, I came out of college 
I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. Um, had some family stuff I needed to take care of. Um, but actually people don't know this. Um, but it's a, it's a weird, important part of the story, which is actually before I came, you know, into our family business, which is Alto, there was about a year long period where my dad and I actually weren't talking. And part of me coming back into the family business was that relationship, you know, kind of getting to a really good place. Um, and so I kind of came back in, um, just started doing, you know, like little creative stuff on the side. Um, and as we, as we grew and as we needed things, I was like, well, I'm, I'm here, so I'll do it. You know, that's just who I am. If something needs done or a meeting needs to be more efficient, I'm like, we got to have it this way. So whatever it takes, I'll just do it. And I, you know, I just kind of jumped into it. And as we grew and things got better, and like I said, now we have eight full-time employees. I actually did interviews all week to <laughs> hire another one. Um, it just, we kind of accidentally fell in my lap of, you know, managing the whole thing. Well, here's why I love listening to you speak. And this is what's so funny, because if you guys don't know this, she shies away from being on stage or in front. <laughs> and here's why we always pull her up here. You are completely vulnerable and authentic, even mentioning what you said about your dad, right? That's not something easy to say. And I'm sure it was a, ch a very challenging time, but you say it and people can relate to that because we all have our family challenges and struggles. Yet here you are working side by side with your dad. It's got to be an amazing feeling now, but the truth was that it wasn't always pretty, right? And so anyway, I just want to, I don't know if it's a question, if it's, you're so authentic, but one of the things you told me is the fight to be authentic. What does that mean to you? What, what is that fight to be authentic? Because to me, you are all Danny, but obviously there's something there that maybe you don't like to always show that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good question. I think that um, I am so authentic because I fought really hard from a place of, of never opening up. Right. So now I'm, it's so on the forefront of my mind um, now to be authentic. Um, you know, I told you a little bit about it and people have heard me speak, but I'll retell it. So I actually had about a year and a half of my life where I like did not speak like at all. And I like I was in high school and I, I literally pulled away from my friends and I just went to school, didn't talk during class, went home, went to my room and didn't talk to anyone. And I think that I just really created this kind of, just life away from people. Um, and then I went to college, you know, some of that kind of forces you out of it. You can't not speak to people forever. Um, but it really came out of, uh, I all of a sudden had this team in the office to lead and I really cared about them and I really cared about doing a good job. And it came down to the point of, I know that I can't lead them and not connect to them. It's just not, I just can't, I mean, that alignment wasn't there and I really wrestled with it. And I just knew that if we were going to get to the next level, I had to work on myself and figure out how to connect with people in a way that I absolutely never had before. So let's talk about how to connect because I agree with you 100%. You can't lead someone unless you connect with them. So you, I've met your team. They clearly look up to you. They value you as a teammate. They enjoy being around you. 
How do you connect well with them? What is your process? Because this isn't, obviously you're not as much on the sales as maybe a lot of the people listening. However, you are leading and that's, that's, this is a key point for, I want people to get. So tell me a bit of how you do truly connect with uh, your teammates. Um, I, I really think the first thing is uh, seeking to understand what, where people are at. One of the things that I really learned uh, from screenwriting and from the background was you really had to slow down and process, you know, why is this character acting this way? What emotion motivates them? And sometimes you would spend an entire day of class just processing how an emotion can cause someone to react and maybe in not a good way. Um, so I think kind of having that in the forefront of my brain when when we're in the office with people, my brain always goes to, okay, I know that they're good at their job. I'm, I'm going to assume positive intent that they're a good person. So my first job is I need to seek to understand what's going on with them. There's obviously something, right? And I think that that's a big part of it is really just asking more questions. Because I think, especially when you have a team you guys have a team of salespeople, you have that one person that might be frustrating. And I think it's easy to just be like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. Um, But really being able to slow down and say, hey, let me just ask you questions and get to know you. Because if I don't know anything about you or know what's going on with you, there's no, there's no really place for you to work at all. So one of the things, see, I don't know where to go with this other than so much of what you said, I hear your dad, I, I mean, Obviously, we talk about that, but you are and you have created your own identity, even with all the family members, which I'm sure we'll talk about, right? Because you're not alone. There's other people that work with family members and that has its own challenges. But tell me about finding your own story, both in business and maybe personally. How did that look for you and how have you been able to, to me, it looks pretty pretty graceful the way you've done it, but I know that doesn't, that's not how it always feels to you. No, no, a hundred percent not. Um, even to like when people do hear me speak or I, I do get the, the benefit or, you know, gift of having that platform. People are always like, Oh my gosh, like, wow, that was so great. You're so, you know, authentic. It's so simple. And I'm like, this is the stuff that rolls around in my head all day long for weeks at a time. You know what I mean? And you're just hearing that 10 minutes that it, it comes out structured. Um, so that's one. Um, two, I think that um, really just being aware of the ways that I was giving my identity away. It might sound weird, but like people, silly things, like even you, Jan, would ask me how I'm doing and my brain would process, okay, this meeting was good because this person said that they had a good day. So I guess I had a good day because I feel like my team had a good day. So I guess that I had a good day and just kind of taking, you know, and I really struggle with that. And even sometimes now, like, you know, how do you find your identity that's attached to how you feel about it? Not necessarily how everybody else feels about it. Right. And so I think finding my own truth and kind of creating my own rules for myself, I was able to identify um, you know, how can I really impact this group my way? Because yes, if you met my dad, he's very, he's very commanding. Um, it's definitely a quality that, that I wish I had more of, but I really had to investigate, you know, what's my strength and how can I connect with this team the way that, that I would 
connect with that as me. Well, people can't see this, but so when you say commanding and uh, specific to her dad, Dan, S, if you guys haven't figured this out, uh, he does have a powerful presence in front of people. There's no question. However, this is what I hope people really get out of this. Leadership looks so many different ways and people also follow Mother Teresa was not an imposing figure and I'm not calling you Mother Teresa. Okay. That's not what I'm saying. But my point is that it doesn't have to look okay. And if you watch the influence you do have on people, including myself, right? I've been doing this for a long time and you've influenced me in so many ways. So it doesn't have to look a certain way. All right. I got to ask this just because it is your own story. Tell us something interesting or maybe surprising about yourself because you got some good little nuggets that I think are really fascinating, but share something that people can relate to to say, you know what, I'm into that too. Something that people wouldn't know about me or wouldn't expect. Um, Listen, I'm terrible at small talk in this way. Um, I would say that. I'll give you a couple of layups. What's your favorite cocktail, Danny? (laughs) Oh, well, that one's easy. Okay. I didn't know we were going that level. Um, any, any whiskey or bourbon I'm always at, I'm very weird with alcohol. It's either whiskey or bourbon or it's like champagne. Those are the two go-tos. That's usually what I see. Most whiskey drinkers right next to us is champagne. Sure. No, that makes sense. Uh, I'll give you another layup. What's, what's your favorite hobby outside of the office? Um, are we going the wrestling route? Is that what Maybe. We're I mean, look, I know wrestling, but I don't think everybody else, I think it's fascinating personally. Yeah. Okay, well, it kind of goes with the storytelling. So for the, for anyone that doesn't know me, uh, doesn't know that I just love professional wrestling. I love it. Um, and when people meet me, they think that's the craziest thing because I'm so quiet and introverted. And then when they meet me, I'm like, yes, I love wrestling. And it's not even about, I mean, the violence is hilarious, but it's really about the storytelling aspect again, to be honest. Like we all watch TV shows, movies, that stuff, because we have characters that we relate to and we watch them get beat up and then they win. You know what I mean? And that that's how we want to feel inside, right? We want to know that when we get beat up, we can still win. And I think that that's what so intrigued me about all of that. It was, it was, it was my way to connect to people and something that was so universal. Like that's really why we watch shows is because we have these characters that we really like or we really connect with and we're like, I just want to watch them get beat up and still survive because now I know that I can get beat up and still survive. Uh, you know what's funny? Had I known this, that would have made so much sense. I just thought you like, you know, these are some pretty good looking people out there <laughs> doing some pretty athletic stuff. I'm, I could get behind that. No, but it I mean, it's very story. cool. <laughs> it's very cool. <laughs> And it is, there's a story to it. So I have to ask you, have you read Story Brand by Donald Miller? Yes, I have. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. And that makes sense to me because it goes down the whole, how you put it together. And, and, and I, again, I have zero background in that, but that's so interesting to me. Tell me what your role is within Alto and, and how, so people really get an idea of what you do. Because again, I say, if like you are a utility ball field. Uh, if you're playing baseball, if you needed something done, Danny can do it. Even if she doesn't know how to do it, she will figure it the heck out. So what is kind of your role, both with Alto and, and what you've done with appreciation? Because I think people have seen your work and they don't even realize it. 
Um, I mean, on the on the AF side, um, I work a lot. I used to work a lot with Tana, especially during convention time. Um, if you guys have ever seen the slides at convention, that's that's uh, Tana and I together. Um, different slides, like I'm trying to think of one that's out there right now. The AF books flyer that Tana sends out, I made that with her. Um, so different things like that. There are a bunch of templates in the back office CRM that I made. Um, some of those are mine. Um, as far as Alto, that my official role is operations manager. But if we go through a normal day for myself, um, it's really project-based. I got to check in with all the departments, make sure everyone is on track to hit their metrics. If there's any type of HR problem where people aren't working together, then I have to get them to do that. Um, I will lead our weekly staff meeting and we also do like a book club type thing. That's more leadership focused, not really uh, work focused, but it's really keeping the, the departments running because we have big company goals and it's just making sure that everyone in that office has everything they need to hit those goals um, end of year. Yeah, and I want to talk about the processes because one of the things I absolutely admire is how you bring processes you execute on them, you bring it to fruition, and you make our lives so much easier. <laughs> so at most salespeople listening, guys, tune in right now because she has some golden nuggets. And just when it comes to building a process and seeing, what, what do you think if you were to take agents and say, hey, if you would just do this one thing, your business would spike dramatically? both from maybe an organizational and efficiency side. Do you have a couple of thoughts there? Yeah, um, two things come to mind. Um, the, the, the big one is you really got to find an organizational system that works for you that does not depend on you having to be at 100% every single day. And I, that, I guess that goes a little bit too with like just really not being casual about it either. Like, Everyone's going to have good days and bad days, but that should not affect the system that's in place. You guys should not like have terrible appointments or have a super off week if your system supports you and sets you up to win. Um, I know for myself and in the office, we actually have um, an SOP, which is just like an operating procedure written out for absolutely everything. So if someone in the office all of a sudden can't do a task, I can literally pull up a document that just tells me how to do it really quick. And then we all get to kind of support each other in that way. <laughs> you really can't underestimate as little as this is. You cannot underestimate working from a list and prioritizing properly. One of the biggest things I see with employees and even with agents is that they try to accomplish way too many things in a day and then they don't really accomplish everything that they could accomplish in a week and I think especially if you're in a place where you feel overwhelmed we tend to feel like oh my gosh I have to get these 35 things done today okay well that's humanly impossible so <laughs> let's properly prioritize and figure out how can we slow down to make this efficient versus feeling like I just have to be on 100% of the time because I like if you're in front of a client and you're feeling that stress, they can feel it. Like as a non-salesperson, I know when our managers or our agents are feeling stressed in front of a Zoom call because you can feel the stress coming off of them. And that 
you can feel that with a client. So taking the five minutes before an appointment to just calm yourself down and really focus on the other person and not your emotions, I promise you will change every single one of your appointments and not just running from meeting to meeting to meeting. So I don't lose this point because you have a couple tools that you do use to make sure if you're, like you said, if you're not a hundred percent, that it allows you to really be effective. Um, I don't want to lose this point. So what are some of the tools that you found that can be useful? Maybe they're applicable for salespeople. Maybe they're not, but like uh, some of the software programs that you use, I think might be something that you could talk about a bit. And then, um, yeah, just kind of some of the systems that you found that I think people could implement themselves. Yeah. So uh, one really easy one is just working from a proper list. I know that sounds simple, you guys, but it'll, it changes everything because if you don't make your list at your beginning of the day and really plan out what you're going to do, that day is going to control you. And that's how you get to the end of your day feeling flustered. Um, So in our office, we prioritize anything that, you know, is a fire, which shouldn't be too many things. If you have a long list of fires, that's a red flag that something else is wrong. Um, We'll operate off of a need to and a should do list, which we actually learned from Eric, you guys know Eric Creekmore. He taught us this and we, we all use it. Um, yeah, we have a need to, which is I have to get this done today or I can't leave my desk, right? I should do, which is it'll, it's not the worst thing in the world if it gets done tomorrow, just if I have extra time. Um, and being able to come to my desk right when I sit down and have a plan um, just works out just better. And the second thing, I another thing with the list that I see is if your first call is at eight o'clock, don't be that person that's like just sitting down for the day right at eight o'clock when the call starts. Because then when the call's over, then you're fumbling around for 30 minutes trying to figure out what you're going to do that day. That's one of the biggest things I've changed in my own morning routine. If our first call starts at 8 a.m., I'm at my desk by 7.30. Because you have to have time for, for all that stuff to happen. Otherwise, you're already behind. So you always have a plan, I guess, is what I'm hearing there. You are you are planning out your day and really have game plan, even when because you are taking on far more than just uh, two or three balls to juggle in the air. Like you're getting thrown thousands of things at, in a day because I've personally done it to you, but you have a plan. And so is that is that the idea is that, you know, I have to get this done. Yes, I'll get to this, but I have to get these things done. Yeah. And, and you know what, I actually think it comes from being more emotional about the process and not necessarily how you feel about it. Like, like have this process in place and then just stick to it no matter how you feel about it. That that's just, you know what I mean? Cause there are going to be days where you don't feel like it. There are days that I don't feel like waking up at 5am going to the gym, but like, that's just my routine and that's what I do. And so it doesn't fail when I do that. Um, and I also think that leads to, you know, being calm in situations that are crazy is such a big deal. Like I, I can teach anyone the technical side of my job, but being able to be calm and flexible is the biggest trait. That's really hard to teach. Well, here's the other thing that's hard to teach. I've never met anyone thus far that has worked with Danny that doesn't absolutely enjoy working with you. And here's why, in my opinion. There's three, if I ever give somebody a compliment, there's three things that she's humble, she's accountable, 
and she's hardworking. She does all three of those things and she nails them. If you ask something to be done from Danny, you don't have to follow up. It is done. She is extremely humble. I think that's definitely by nature. That's that's something she was blessed with. And she works her ass off. So guys, if you don't get anything else out of this, get those three things down. Seek some some advice from Danny because she nails that side of things. Um, I got to take this one other, unless you have a comment on those, but I mean, it's truly the greatest compliment I can give somebody. You do what you say you're going to do and you work hard. I love that about you. Um, I have to ask cycle of self-defeating thoughts. I think with sales, what's that? Exactly where my head was going to as we're talking. (laughs) Because salespeople, this is something that we deal with, right? It's you are going to get defeated. You're going to get told no far more than yes, but this is, this is just humans that deal with this. So tell me your, what does that look like for you? The self-defeating thoughts. Yeah. So for me, I, I, it's really something that I've become so aware of in the last year and a half. And I want you guys to process if this feels familiar to you, because if you believe something about yourself hard enough, you will manifest it no matter what. It's the same thing with like, you know, if you think about the color blue all day long, all of a sudden, every single car you see on the street is blue. Like our minds are that powerful that like we see what we want to see. Right. So when you believe this thought about yourself that, oh, I'm scrambled or I I make so many mistakes or I'm not good enough. And then a situation comes and you make a mistake and you're like, see, I knew it. I suck. I make lots of mistakes. And it just goes in this, this constant cycle of feeling like crap. And then a situation proves out why you should feel like crap. And it just gets us in this bubble. And it really takes, uh, it's really hard to break out of that bubble that we've built for ourselves and say, you know, look, like certain situations might not have been my fault that they happened, but it's absolutely my responsibility to say, no, I want something different. And if I can make myself believe that I'm not worthy, then I can absolutely make myself believe that I am worthy too. I love that. And I'm curious, how did you, so you said something so key, you've become self-aware, which by the way, if you want to be great at leading, if you want to be great at sales, get really self-aware. How did you, how did you find out? How did you become more self-aware? I'm really curious because I don't know this answer with your story. Where did that come from? I guess I want to to talk about this. Two things. Uh, Two things. One, I think you just get to a place where I can't possibly, like everyone else in the world is is doing things and moving along. I'm not so special that I'm not worthy. Does that make sense? Like it's it's almost reverse ego where it's like some people think they're special because they're great. And some people think they're special because they're not great. And so I think that's a little bit of it where sometimes you just get tired of feeling like crap all the time. And you're like, how do I make different decisions? Right. That's one. Um, The second one is honestly, I, I seeked help talking to someone that was outside of my circle. You guys know that I, you know, I, I work with my family. Sometimes that having someone that knows everyone is hard. So like finding someone that literally doesn't know any member of my family personally, doesn't know anyone at AF personally, and just kind of, you know, 
processing your own thoughts and just saying things out loud is a big deal. Because sometimes when we say them out loud, we're like, wow, that sounds ridiculous, but I've never said it out loud before. Um, and I don't know, like that whole, like, uh, I've actually been um, in therapy for a long time. And that's not something that I tell people. And I you're worried about that. But there's such a stigma around, you know, you have to be like so messed up to go. And it's not like that. Sometimes you just need someone that literally knows nothing about anything. And you're just like verbally, it's just like right now, right? We're just verbally processing information. And that was a really big thing for me. And I had to get over a lot of this, um, this fear of appearance, especially I'm in business. Like I grew up in business. My family's been in this industry since I was 10, 11 years old. Um, and we've always been the one running or owning our little team. Uh, so look, when your dad is the owner of everything, you, you feel like there's this mantle that you have to hold up. Um, and I think really breaking that down and, and realizing that, you know, the uncomfortable <laughs> topics everyone feels that way that we just don't talk about it. And so I th think that's kind of part of finding your own story too, is when you have something that you're really passionate about, um, you turn that into your purpose. So a couple of things, a therapy is good. Let's get that right out of the way. If you hurt something, what do you go to after the doctor physical therapy guys, we have been conditioned hardwired, inadvertently from our parents, the people that love us the most or whoever cared for us with some messed up shit. Okay. It's, it's not their fault. My parents did too. Therapy is not a bad thing. Here's the other thing. And this is something that's so unique with working with family. We get labeled as a five-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 15-year-old as X. And those labels come with us for a long, long time. That's why I was asking that creating your own story and finding your own story, because it is hard with family sometimes to create that because they always want to put you back over here. No, you're this. And you're like, no, I'm going to be whoever I show up as today. Yes. So you are actually just so we're clear with one another, the strength you have to say, I absolutely have gone to therapy. It's awesome. By the way, you don't have to call it therapy. You can call it talking to the, the, the guy that you pay $150 to an hour. Great. Or you can call it whatever you want. So Let's be clear, guys. Therapy is very good. Um, gosh, where do I go on that? Where do I go from that? I I'm glad that you brought up, though. I'm glad that you brought up labels because that was one of the things that I really struggled with. And even silly stuff as a kid, right? Like, I don't want to dress like that or I don't want to do that because then people are going to automatically put me in X box and then I can never be anything else, right? And I think that's such a human thing. Like, we as humans, we love to put stuff in categories because that's how we understand it. Like if, if I can put you, JM, in this category, then I feel like I know everything about you and I know how to interact with you and I know what your intentions are. And it's all, it's control, right? So kind of coming to terms with this idea of, you know, good people can make bad decisions and being able to hold both of those things at the same time is really difficult. So difficult. And this idea, you know, that people are so complex. And I think sometimes, you know, we, we tell ourselves stories and they tell them stories. And then you and I are just reacting off of our own story, not necessarily being present with each other sometimes. 
Well, what you said is so true. People are complex. I can't say Danny is, uh, again, you have a cat poster up behind you. So Danny is a, a female that likes cats and pro wrestling. There's a whole lot more than just that, right? And that's the whole point is you said it. We try and put people in, the, in a box, but there's so many layers to, to Danny as a human being. There's so many layers to anybody you're meeting with. So trying to say, hey, I'm such and such and I'm this, mm-hmm. hey. Um, let's get back a little bit because you and your team are obviously building a big team and listeners on here are trying to do what you guys are doing. What do you, what's kind of, what's some of the keys to building a team to really building that cohesive unit that can grow the way that, you know, again, team dream now it's Alto has had that ability to do. It's two things, which I know sound so obvious, but it's culture and it's process, to be honest. That, that's really what it is. And the culture needs to be um, one that's open to feedback, that's not attacking each other. Like one of the really big things that I feel really proud of um, conveying is our book clubs can get very personal and I think that in order to be aligned as a human being, like you, you have to pay attention to that personal side because sometimes it affects their work performance, right? Not saying we should sit around and talk about our feelings all day, but like they're like salespeople, my team, they're not robots. Like something is happening for them. And so I think creating that space uh, to be open and creating that space that's, you know, empathy and understanding allows people to, uh, to be honest, feel more bought in. Like if you guys are struggling with people buying in, maybe they just don't feel connected to you or, or what's going on. That's one. Um, two is process oriented. Um, you really can't attack what an employee is doing. You have to attack the process that they're following. You know, that whole like performance performer thing. That's a big deal. It just takes the human emotion out of it. Like you're not telling the salesperson that, they're dumb or they're lying or like, I'm not telling my employees you're not doing your job. It's like, Hey, look, the process is not giving what we want. So let's work on the process. So anti-labeling again is what I'm hearing there. Yes. And the third thing I guess too, is having proper goals within a team is a really big deal. Like a really clear goal. We actually did this exercise um, with our team that, you know, we have our company goals but then I actually had them process over the next week. How does your daily workload attribute to that goal? Because I really wanted them to process. I know sometimes answering emails sucks. I know sometimes doing spreadsheets sucks. But like if you can really attach that minimal work to a bigger picture, people are bought in and they want to do it. And it's not something that they don't want to do. Like, Agents don't track their activity because they don't understand the power of tracking their activity. If they understood those little things they do attached to the really big things, they would do it. Pretty powerful stuff right there, you guys. I got to ask, though, because you do one of my favorite things, and that is a book club. Why? What are you getting out of reading a book and talking about it? What could you possibly get out of that? And... You said it can even get personal. How could that become personal? Because we're reading a book and then talking about how it hit us, right? Is that the idea? Give me some feedback on that. 
Yeah, so um, this all connects to finding your own story because I, in processing myself and working on myself, I felt like, you know, what's one of my strengths? I feel like it's talking people through what's happening for them. And the book club was a really great way to do that. It was a great way for me to kind of um, grow as a leader myself um, by creating that environment uh, in book club. Uh, so that's really why I did it. Um, it teaches them to be better humans, not just better processors. Um, that's one thing. Uh, two, I love the mental break during the day that it gives my people. Like sometimes it can be stressful or sometimes it's the same old thing, but taking that mental break to slow down really helps them uh, process. Um, and yeah, it can get personal, which I, again, I really love because one of the big things that I'm really passionate about, I don't think I even realized I was passionate about until somebody asked me, I really want to make uh, the uncomfortable topics not, not feel so uncomfortable. Because I think that's one of the things that really held me back from my growth is feeling like I couldn't say that or I couldn't do that or I, I, I just had to keep this appearance and I couldn't be that way. Um, so the book club is super important to round people out as, as people and get them to talk about, hey, this is how I'm growing as a human being, um, not just in our processes. And I don't want to give details because I want that to be a safe space for them. But we've, we've gotten to the point where some people are like, you know, I really related to that because my dad growing up just told me I was shit. And I guess I just never questioned it. You know, I, I just never questioned that, you know, my dad always told me that this is the way that you have success. This is the level of success that you just have. And if you don't have this level of success, then you're just not good enough. And so the book club really helps create that self-awareness. And then it, you know, maybe it kind of becomes a discussion in the group where they're like, oh, I guess I didn't know that. And now it's fun because organically I'm watching them um, like, two of them have asked for accountability from the group because they want to feel held accountable and they want that fun environment of a personal goal. So it's really created a team atmosphere. I think. No, oh, I love it. I mean, uh, a real quick question is how, how many books are, are you doing a book a month or how often are you cycling through books? Uh, it depends on the book. Uh, we usually do one to two chapters a week. I used to do, like, it really depends on the book. Sometimes we have a short book and we read that whole thing in two weeks. But when it's a book that I really want them, I know that might seem slow, but sometimes I really got to get them to focus on one thing at a time. So uh, often we'll read, a we'll read two chapters. The big, you know, theme of the book, uh, the one chapter is like, you know, how to just slow down and how to catch yourself not being scrambled. So then it'll be like, okay, guys, this week, we're only going to focus on slowing down and catching ourselves in, in multitasking. It's actually a joke around our office that some of us are recovering multitaskers because we know that that's not efficient. Right. But it's just one of those things where like, you just, you got to get a bite-sized thing and they will focus on it. Right. And then the next week you pick something else and it really builds on that. And they feel like they're making progress. That's such a big deal is they, them feeling like they're constantly moving forward. 
Well, keep it up. I love it. I think it's amazing. And keep breaking down these self-imposed taboo subjects because it's bullshit, man. We should be able to talk about anything. We're human beings that, you know, within reason, of course, let's make sure we're being respectful of one another. But I love that you're doing that. So I chased you down. I got you here. What do you want to leave the audience with? What didn't I ask you that you're like, damn it, I got to say this. I go watch like your favorite movie or show tonight. I'm about to ruin it for you. Um, But almost every single movie show, everything starts with this character who gets forced into a situation that then they have to make a decision. And when they make that, that really tough decision, that's what sets them on their journey. Right? Like, if we take a superhero movie, because that's easy, like uh, Captain America was not like, yes, I'm super ready to be a superhero. He went through so many terrible things that then led him to make really tough decisions that weren't fun for him. But like, that's what sets people on their journey uh, to become who they really are. And so I think sometimes when we face setbacks or really tough decisions, we think that it's pushing us further away from our goal. When literally every narrative, every story we ever read, that's the thing that pushes people toward their goal. And so I think, you know, just kind of reframing that is, is really important. Good advice, you guys. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's inspiring to know, like, hey, you just got your ass kicked. Congrats, you're growing. Like, <laughs> um, Danny, I appreciate so much what you've done. You're so selfless and, and thank you for, for being here. I think a lot of people are getting a lot of value from hearing what you had to say. How could they connect with you, whether that's online or just so they could ask you questions if you're open to that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Please reach out to me. Um, my Instagram is just Danny underscore Asti. You guys can find me there. Okay. Instagram it is. Check her out, you guys. Danny, thank you so much for just everything you've done with, you know, us working together, taking care of so much that we've asked with the company and, and keep growing. You're doing an amazing job and, and just a very remarkable young woman. So I really appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Are you guys until next week, you guys continue to get better every day. Have an amazing week. Thank you for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. Our goal is to help a lot of people create life-changing wealth and get better every day. For more information or comments, please reach me at jryerson at appreciationfinancial.com or connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Let's Go Win 365. Keep growing and we'll see you next time. This is the Protect Help Give Show with J.M. Ryerson.